Welcome to this Maples Group Tax and Coffee podcast, where we discuss EU and international tax developments. I'm Andrew Quinn. I'm Head of Tax at Maples Group, and I'm joined today by Jean-Dominique Morelli, who is a tax partner with our Luxembourg law firm. We're going to discuss three important new EU tax matters as they pertain to Luxembourg and, more generally, the EU Global Minimum Tax Directive, an update on the Luxembourg treatment of so-called reverse hybrids, and finally, an update on the proposed EU Unshell Directive. So diving straight in, firstly, the EU Global Minimum Tax Directive. That is a piece of EU legislation that is in the process of being implemented at the moment by member states across the EU. It will come into effect for accounting periods beginning on or after 31 December this year, 2023, and it implements the OECD global minimum tax rules in the EU. So to recap, the global minimum tax rules apply to large groups of consolidated companies with a annual turnover of at least 750 million euro or more. The objective of the global minimum tax rules and the directive in Europe will be to ensure that those groups are subject to an effective rate of tax of at least 15% in every jurisdiction in the world in which they operate. So, Jean-Dominic, can you tell us a bit about how Luxembourg is implementing these rules? Yes, Andrew. The legislative process has started in Luxembourg in August this year when the bill implementing the Pillar 2 directive was published. The bill will now in particular be reviewed by the Luxembourg Council of State and certain amendments or clarifications will certainly be made. The timeline for the vote is actually quite short for such piece of complex bill as the new law is set to start becoming effective in 2024 and also taking into account the Luxembourg general election of October. Without surprise, the bill is in line with the Pillar 2 Directive and the OECD Pillar 2 Model Rules guidance will be used as a source of interpretation of this legislation. The bill comes as a standalone legislation with a separate law and decides from the existing Luxembourg General Corporate Tax System. And Jean-Dominic, that's exactly how it's being introduced in Ireland as well. It's it's standalone law. It's effectively a new corporation tax. It's not extra corporation tax as part of our, our, our existing corporation tax system. Certainly in Ireland, there's been plenty of discussion about that as to the consequences of having effectively a new series of taxes in particular whether those taxes levied by Ireland will then be creditable in other countries, particularly the US, that's that's very, very important. So good to know that Luxembourg is taking the same approach. In terms, Jean-Dominic, of how those top-up taxes are applied in order, again, to ensure that the large groups pay that 15% effective rate of tax everywhere they operate in the world, can you explain the three top-up taxes? Yeah, the bill will implement a top-up taxation mechanism with three new rules materialized by three related top-up taxes. 
The three taxes are the income inclusion rule tax, which will apply to Luxembourg parent entities using a top-down approach and collecting any top-up tax due by any low taxes entities located in Luxembourg or abroad. The second is the under tax profit rule tax, which will impose a taxation of any low tax Luxembourg entity, which is not a parent entity. This second tax will act as a backstop rule through the reallocation of any residual amount of top-up tax in case where the entire amount of top-up tax relating to low tax entities could not be collected by parent entities through the application of the income inclusion rule. Finally, the third one is a qualified domestic minimum top-up tax. Luxembourg indeed opts to introduce this tax that will ensure that the low tax profits of Luxembourg entities of a group would be subject to a Luxembourg top-up tax in priority and preventing other jurisdictions from taxing the under-tax Luxembourg profits. As announced, certain entities would be excluded from the three taxes and in particular pension funds, investment funds that are ultimate parent entities and real estate investment vehicles that are also ultimate parent entities. Their direct and indirect subsidiary can also be considered as excluded entities under certain conditions. Thanks, John Dominic. That's a great summary of those three top-up taxes. My own takeaway based on work I've been doing with clients and from the various industry meetings uh, that I've been working on is the UTPR, the Undertaxed Profits Rule, although it's described by the OECD as being a backstop, really it is the nuclear weapon here. I mean, to illustrate it, I think if you had a US parented group, and the US, of course, have not yet implemented the OECD global minimum tax, and that US parent entity had lots of companies in the US and elsewhere in the world, and it had one company in Luxembourg or one company in Ireland, way down the structure, the UTPR rule can effectively tax any of those other companies around the world to tax in Luxembourg or Ireland because of the UTPR rule if those other entities are subject to a low rate of tax. So it's proven to be very controversial. And in fact, the most recent development is that there will be a effectively a deferral of the application of the UTPR rule where the parent entity has a statutory corporation tax rate of at least 20%. If that's the case, the date of implementation of the UTPR rules in the EU and, and more generally around the OECD participants will now be 2026 rather than 2025. And it's probably no coincidence that the test there, the 20% minimum rate is very close to the US rate of 21%. So effectively, in that illustration I gave, the US parent won't now be taxed in Ireland or Luxembourg under the UTPR rule until 2026 if, if they have an effective tax rate of less than 15%. So finally, Jean-Dominic, I suppose turning to the practical implementation of this in Luxembourg, who will it affect? Well, in Luxembourg, um, and we share the same view on that, it, it may impact all businesses 
at least in terms of administrative burden. In addition to Luxembourg entities of multinational groups, investment and investment fund structure need to assess whether their structure are in scope of the rules, which already requires some complex analysis. This work should be started now. In particular, even if investment funds that are ultimate parent entities can be exempt from the requirement to prepare consolidated accounts in Luxembourg, or may be excluded from the three top-up taxes together with their holding companies, their accounting revenue will be retained for the computation of the Euro 7 150 million revenue threshold. In addition, the identification of a group within the meaning of the Pillar 2 rules may also be complex with structure that includes joint ventures. Our recommendation will therefore be to contact us for an impact assessment, which will take the form of a review of structures followed by a list of questions and tests. And look, we've been doing exactly the same in Ireland, Jean-Dominic, both on existing structures and new structures. We've been assessing them based, as you say, on a list of questions to see if there's a, an easy carve out or, or if we have to do a deeper dive into the uh, impact assessment of these new taxes. So look, let's move on and we'll move on to an update on the treatment of so-called reverse hybrids in Luxembourg. Maybe if I just give a quick summary of where this comes from. In 2016, the EU brought in so-called anti-hybrid rules under the EU Anti-Tax Avoidance Directive, and that was implemented again across the EU member states. That in turn came out of the original OECD BEPS, Base Erosion and Profit Shifting Project. And essentially, the anti-hybrid rules are designed to neutralize the result where you get a so-called tax mismatch or tax advantage due to a difference in how countries treat either legal entities or legal instruments. So the classic example is where one country treats something as debt, another country treats it as equity, or where one country treats a legal entity as transparent, so look-through, and another treats it as opaque. So reverse hybrid is is, is one of those um, examples. Jean-Dominic, can you give us um, more information on that? Yes, Andrew. I wanted to talk specifically on the reverse hybrid mismatch rules, which can apply when a tax transparent entity is treated as tax opaque in the country where its investors are located and which can therefore be subject to Luxembourg corporate income tax at its level to counter that double non-taxation outcome. The main transparent entity in Luxembourg which might be impacted by those rules is the Luxembourg Limited Partnership, SCS or SCSP. The Lux SCSP is in particular one uh, of the most widely used vehicle on the Luxembourg market, in particular in the fund industry. In Luxembourg, we have had several developments around those rules in 2023. First, the, the budget law for 2023 amended the wording of the rule to make it clear that investors or limited partners that are tax exempt could not trigger the reverse hybrid classification. This clarification was anticipated but the legal certainty given by the amendment of the law was nevertheless welcome. The second development was the publication of a new tax return for the limited partnership 
which is called Form 205. Luxembourg partnership, including the Luxembourg partnership with only an alternative investment fund status, have to submit that Form 205 on an annual basis. Regulated limited partnership and supervised limited partnership, such as the RAFE, are not subject to that compliance obligation unless they will take the reporting position that they qualify as a reverse hybrid or unless they would be requested to file that specific form by the Luxembourgish tax authorities. That form 205 was then followed by administrative guidelines with a tax circular on the taxation of the reverse hybrid entities and a Q&A on compliance aspect related to form 205. In practice, this form requires the disclosure of direct investors, but also of indirect investors, i.e. those invested via another tax transparent entity. And that disclosure obligation would apply whatever the amount of their investment, and even if the partnership does not qualify as a reverse hybrid. Understood, Jean-Dominic. In Ireland, we have the same rules, of course, and we have so-called investment limited partnerships and common contractual funds, both of which are transparent entities. So we have to monitor the reverse hybrid rules there. But often, Jean-Dominic, we would look to the collective investment vehicle or CIV safe harbor. Does that apply in Luxembourg as well? Yes, um, of course, uh, Andrew, we, we also have the CIV exemption, which is applicable to collective investment vehicles subject to investors' protection regulation. The commentaries to the bill implementing ATAD 2 make it clear that Luxembourg collective investment vehicle, such as UCITS, uh, UC Part 2 funds, CIF, SICAR, and RAVE, but also partnership with only an alternative investment fund status can qualify for the CIV exemption, but provided that they are widely held by investors and that they hold a diversified portfolio of securities. Today in Luxembourg, there is still no administrative guidelines on, on that CIV exemption and on those concepts of widely held and diversified portfolio of securities. Therefore, a prudent approach should be retained by actually relying on this CIV exemption only as a backstop rule, and in particular for partnerships that have an alternative investment fund status, which always have to file that form 205. All those questions related to the reverse hybrid rules are still relevant, and we assist our clients on an ongoing basis on these matters. In particular, since the, the deadline for the first filing of form 205 is end of 2023, for the first year of application of the rules, 2022. Okay, so right around the corner, Jean-Dominic, an action needed now, as you say. So to finish out, we're going to give a quick update on the proposed EU Unshell Directive. This was proposed by the European Commission back in December 2021. It'll apply to companies that have international business and that receive the majority of their income from financial assets or from assets such as intellectual property. If an entity is considered a shell entity, and that's broadly one without significant operational substance, so under one test, if a company has less than five full-time employees, it would be treated as a shell. And if that's the case, there are tax penalties 
including the fact that the company may not get a certificate of tax residence, it will not be entitled to benefit from double tax treaties, and in certain cases it will be ignored for tax purposes, so there will be a look-through to the shareholders. So because it's a, a tax matter, the legislation does require unanimity between all of the EU member states. We understand that there have been ongoing technical meetings and discussions about the directive. There seems to be some differences of opinion between member states about some of the measures. For example, the tax consequences of being regarded as a shell entity, the substance-based carve-out, what exactly that would look like, and then whether there would be a safe harbour available for regulated financial services entities, in particular as to whether subsidiaries or asset holding companies under investment funds would be treated as exempt. At the moment, Spain holds the presidency of the European Union, so they're effectively in charge of the process. And we understand that they are pushing hard to get agreement uh, of the directive. It seems now that there could be a two-phase approach to the directive. So firstly, an information sharing between member states as to the existence of shell entities, followed later by tax consequences for those shell entities. In terms of timing, officially the directive will still come into force on the 1st of January 2024 and there's been nothing said to the contrary. I think I can tell you very confidently that that date will not apply. So the earliest date we think that the directive could come into effect will be 2025 or maybe even 2026. So with that, I'd like to thank Jean-Dominic for joining us today and for taking us through those important new developments. And thanks also to all of you out there for joining us. Please follow us and rate us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please keep an eye out for our next episode and do have a listen back on any past episodes that you may have missed. So with that, we hope you could join us the next time and bye for now.